0: Mark Nicholson. my name is Mark Nicholson I'm here with my paralegal Kate and we're going to talk today about what happens if you are arrested um, she's going to ask me a few questions that people commonly have when they are arrested and and um, I will do my best to answer her questions and then kind of fill in some some gaps and these are questions that people ask um, you know, me you know they may ask her. Um, about uh, which obviously her being a paralegal, she can't get legal advice. Um, And she has a very spotless record and has never been thrown in the slammer. So has no idea what it's like uh, um, uh, being arrested. So. With that, what kind of questions do you commonly hear when um, people ask about, you know. What what's it like, or what's the steps when someone gets arrested?
1: What's the 1st thing that
0: happens after you're arrested? Well, the 1st thing that happens if if someone is arrested is they are usually taken to jail. Um, They're fingerprinted um, and, you know, they're, they're searched. um, uh, By uh, the police or the sheriff, depending on where they. They are, and then from um, there, they have the opportunity to make a phone call. Obviously, I say call an attorney, uh, call a loved one, and, but do not talk to the police. That's the number one thing. Exercise your constitutional right to remain silent and do not talk to the police. Um, let me see. Now, do you have any questions in regards to after you're, you're arrested in, in the court system?
1: Um, when will
0: I know what I'm charged with? Okay, usually what happens after you are charged with the crime, within about you know 72 hours, depending on if it's a holiday, um, you will have an initial hearing an arraignment, where um, the court will let you know what your charges are. Um, now, it can be a little bit longer because if you get arrested on a Friday night, and then Monday is a holiday or something like that. Then obviously, you won't get to court until Tuesday, just like people that are arrested now. On Friday, you know, to today, maybe the 1st time they will be in front of a judge. Who will then set bail and um, in, in some counties, uh, they have a pretrial release. Uh, system, so they will have the opportunity to. See, if they qualify for Pre trial release in Indiana, uh, some counties have a pretrial release um, um, assessment. Um, and this gives them the opportunity to look at. That they're working where they live, how long they live and then the court can allow them to be released on. pretrial. and sometimes Pre trial means they're totally released. Sometimes it means that they have to continue to make phone calls. Sometimes it means they may be on house arrest, depending on what kind of county or GPS, especially if you're in Marion county. But that will be their 1st, initial contact with the court will usually be around 72 hours. They will have an opportunity to hear the nature of their charges and be given their rights about jury trial, about getting an attorney about omnibus dates and that's usually within 24 or 72 hours.
1: So,
0: what happens after I post bail? Okay, if you post bail, then at that point in time. Um, your court will let, you know, your next court date. Obviously, you should have already had your next court date. If you're posting bail prior. To your court date, because in, there's a pandemic, sometimes they are releasing people. Um, uh, from custody, or they're just doing a summons where the person has to just show up to court. Um, and at that point, you'll get your next court date. And then make sure you come back your next court date. Don't get any new arrest. Um, don't uh, leave the state without getting a court permission. Um, the main thing is making sure that you don't miss your court date, because you can be held in contempt. And also, if you. Um, get a new case that can revoke your bail. The prosecutor can file a motion to revoke your bail, and then you will be back in jail again.
1: Okay. What happens at my next court date?
0: At your next court date, usually that's called a pretrial conference. Um, and at the pretrial conference, it's setting up what's the next court date. Is there going to be a plea agreement? is If it's a misdemeanor, you may have a, a bench trial because those are set for bench trials. If it's a felony, it's a jury trial. So the pretrial conference is basically in state court, is basically saying, hey, what is the next date? What is going to happen next in the case? And usually these are not very long in state court. You know, maybe you, you're going to usually wait longer in court than you are actually having court. So you may wait, you know, 20 or 30 minutes and then your hearing only lasts about five minutes because the judge is going to ask counselor what is the next court date, what's going on in the case. And that's usually your next court date. And but now after that, you may have what's called a motion to suppress. If you're still in custody, it could be a motion to bail. If it's a murder case, it could be a motion to let bail. Um, there's other motions um, that could be filed, motion limine, uh, motions um, for some kind of specific discovery that you're not getting. So there's other kind of hearings that can happen after you're released or while you're in custody. But normally what it's set up is the pretrial conference. And if you have a DUI, OVWI operating a vehicle while intoxicated, you can ask The court to um, give you a SDP, which is specialized driving privileges. And you can ask the court to do that and you can have a hearing. About getting a specialized driving privilege. So, you can continue to drive to work or school or pick up your children. And then you can also have a motion to challenge the refusal a refusal hearing if the judge, excuse me, if the prosecutor. And the police officer say that you refuse to um, do a chemical test, a breath test, something like that. And you basically refuse to comply with with the, the, the police when it comes to um, doing this um, uh, field sobriety test, and like I said, breath test and a chemical test, especially because there's a consent, and basically by you driving on the roadway. You're consenting to take this chemical test, um, and if you refuse, your license could be suspended and all that. But the main thing is if you want to challenge it, the way to challenge it would be through having a refusal hearing. So that's another kind of hearing that's specialized basically only for DUI and OVWI cases. You wouldn't have necessarily like a refusal hearing or specialized driving privileges if you're charged with a theft. Or a marijuana case or something like that.
1: Okay, if uh, I go to trial, can you tell me about what trial is like.
0: Yeah, so, you know, so before, you know, trial, there's a final pretrial conference and during the final pretrial conference. That's when you are coming up With the final witness list that you're basically all the discovery, everything should have already been taken care of. And ready for trial, everything should be ready to go. And at that point in time, when you um, confirm with the court that you're ready to go to trial. Prosecutor confirms, then, depending on what county you're at, you're in, you may get a list of the jurors. So, you can start going through the jurors, you may get that a week, 4 or 5 days in advance in Marion county. In criminal cases, you get the jury potential jurors. Like, the morning of the trial, which is really, really uh, challenging because you got about 15 to 20 minutes to pour through all these jury questionnaires. And um, at that point, um, when you actually have trial. 1 of the 1st, things is going through the jury questionnaire. Then the jurors come in for what they call four deer. The judge asks them questions and tells them a little bit about the process. Prosecutors and defense attorneys, then we get to ask them questions during the voir year. And a lot of people think it's about picking jurors, when in actuality, it's not really picking jurors, it is deselecting jurors because you're looking at who you think is not the best person to sit on this particular jury. And those are the people that you want to strike. You have a set number of strikes and you're like, oh, this person may not understand our defense. So we're going to strike that and basically remove that person from the jury. And then what you're left with are the potential jurors. And normally what happens is the person that you don't like. The prosecutor likes and the person you like the prosecutor doesn't like, so they kind of start canceling each other out. So. And, um, you know, you're not able to say, hey, I like that person right there. I want that person to sit on the jury. You just don't strike that person. And then the, if the prosecutor doesn't like them. Then they can strike them. If they have the strikes. Okay, can you tell
1: me about
0: the procedures of the actual trial? If it's a jury trial. Yeah, so basically the procedure of a jury trial, like I said, it's, you know, the voir dire where you're selecting jury. And then from the voir dire, it's opening statement, and The each party gets the opening statement. Prosecutors go first, and then defense. Although defense can waive giving opening statement, I do not suggest doing that. Then it's the questioning. The prosecutor starts off. They bring in their witnesses. Witness testifies, and then the defense gets to cross-examine that witness, and there can be redirect and recross. Um, at some point, the prosecutor rests their case. And then once they rest, at that point, the defense gets to present their case. And the same thing defense does a direct examination. Prosecutor now is doing cross examination, and there can be redirect, recross, until that's all done. And then the defense rests. The prosecutor at that point can do a rebuttal. Um, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. And then, after that, it's closing argument, and then the closing argument, the state goes 1st, then defense, and then the state gets to go again because they have to prove the case. But there's also a little known. um, Practice called surrebuttal, where you have the opportunity as a defense to ask for a surrebuttal because the prosecutors have brought up something in their closing or their rebuttal that you didn't um, talk about. So in other words, if you talk about points one, two, and three in your closing argument as a defense attorney, and then the prosecutor's rebuttal, they don't talk about one, two, and three, they talk about four and five. Well, technically that's not a rebuttal because if they're re- rebutting what you're saying, they should only be talking about one, two, and three. So at that point, you would say, just I would like to so have a so rebuttal because the prosecutors, Brought up points four and five, and in my closing, I did not talk about four and five. Um, so that's a rebuttal. Um, a lot of judges um, um, don't usually grant those because I think they may not be familiar with the sur rebuttal. A lot of some defense attorneys and prosecutors are not even aware of SUR rebuttals. So I file a motion putting everyone on notice that if they do that, I'm going to ask for a SUR rebuttal. I do that at the final pretrial conference so that way they know that this is something and I quote the the law that talks about so rebuttal so everyone is on notice that if they bring up something that I didn't talk about, I'm gonna request that so rebuttal. Okay. What
1: happened once someone is convicted of
0: a crime? Well hopefully if they're my client and you know we're representing them, uh, the work that you do in the back and the work I'm doing in the front. Uh, they won't get convicted, but if they do get convicted. Then, depending on the nature of the case, it will determine what potential sentence they have. Obviously, if it's a major felony case. They're facing more time than if it's a misdemeanor and on our website, we have a uh, sentencing um, guideline and talks about all the range of sentencing from. Um, you know, from murder all the way down to, um, the lowest misdemeanor. So, um, that is, is something that uh, people can visit at martinicholsonlaw.com to see the different sentencing ranges. But at that time, usually the, the judge will then, um, um, pull the jury. Um, and basically ask the jury if this is their verdict. Um. Sometimes the individual parties, the prosecutor, or defense attorney, can poll the jury, and then they usually have opportunity for the parties to go back and talk to the jurors. Uh, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Uh, I've done enough juries where you know every case is so different that I usually don't go back unless um, um, there's some reason you know that maybe if I have a co counsel or it's. Um, Someone's first jury trial with me, like you know, a, a paralegal may want to go back. It just, it just depends, um, but I don't go back as like I used to in the very beginning. I always went back um, to to talk to the jury um, and kind of listen to what their their thinking is. About thirty days later, you have a right to be sentenced. Um, sometimes, if the person's out of custody, you may waive that right, or if there's a pre-sentence investigation that needs to happen. Um, these are things that can extend um, the deadline and just say, hey, you know we need more time or you may want to get sentenced within 30 days. Um, but all the time that you're spending in jail, if you're in jail during this time is is counting towards your sentence. So it's not like you're losing any time and whether you're doing 30 days in jail before your sentence or 40 days, all that time counts. And then once you're sentenced, um, at some point you'd be sent to the DOC if you're going to the DOC or you remain at the jail, the DOC being the Department of Correction, or you will remain at the jail if you're uh, been sentenced to the to the to the jail. Yeah. Okay. How does
1: someone appeal their conviction?
0: And then appeal is um, they have 30 days uh, to file an appeal. It's best when someone is convicted that they give a notice to the court. So, during sentencing, once you're sentenced, the court is supposed to ask you, you know, you have to inform you of your right to appeal in Indiana. There's a constitutional right to appeal uh, in in a criminal case. So the judge will advise you of your right. And then you can say at this time, I am, I would like. To have an appeal and then your attorney will file a notice of appeal to get the appeal. Process going and has to be filed within 30 days. From that appeal, it goes to the Indiana court of appeals. They make their ruling a the party doesn't like it. They can ask transfer to the Supreme court. Then the Supreme court makes its ruling in certain cases, depending on the nature. You know, the case could you know, go to the, um, the federal court if there's some kind of violation of a federal constitutional right um, often cases. If there's a long sentence, then they have what's called PCR, post conviction relief, um, and that's something our office does, where someone has exhausted their appeal to the court of appeals. They've exhausted the state supreme court, and now they're looking at post conviction relief. And basically, the the things look for in a post conviction relief are was there ineffective sense of counsel? That's kind of like the number one newly discovered evidence. Or, you know, actual innocence, those are mainly the 3 issues, the 3 areas of post conviction relief, with the number 1, being ineffective assistance of counsel.
1: Okay, thank you.
0: All right, thanks and I will add that uh, kind of like a little summary when someone's arrested. That they go to the jail normally and then from there, they have their initial hearing. And from the initial hearing. They have pre-trial conferences, and then from pre-trial conferences, it gets into like a final pre-trial conference or before a final pre-trial conference. There can be motions for some kind of discovery hearing, motions to compel, um, motions to suppress, all these other kind of motions that come in between. And then you can have your final pre-trial conference if it's going to trial. And obviously in the trial, if someone's taking a plea agreement, the plea agreement would be before the trial. Someone can plead guilty with with the prosecutor and come to an agreement. It's like a contract. Or the person can plead open to the court and let the court sentence them and say, "Judge, I'm guilty. You know, you sentence me to how you think is best. But this is what I'm requesting that you have leniency and all that." And so that's basically the steps uh, in the procedure when someone is. Uh, is arrested for for a crime a state crime in 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 indiana all right
1: thank
0: you you're very welcome it was my pleasure take care and good seeing you until next time bye